Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck, to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 121 I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. She will not let your foot be moved. She who keeps you will not slumber. She who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. That its sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. She will keep your life. The Lord will keep your your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 26 through chapter 2 verse 1. And above the dome over their heads was something like a throne, in appearance like sapphire, and seated above the likeness of a throne was something that seemed like a human form. Upward from what appeared like the loins, I saw something like gleaming amber, something that looked like fire enclosed all around, and downward from what looked like the loins, I saw something that looked like fire, and there was a splendor all around. Like the bow on a, in a cloud in a rainy day, such was the appearance of the splendor all around. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of someone speaking. He said to me, O mortal, stand up on your feet and I will speak with you. Acts chapter 26, verses 1 through 18. Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and began to defend himself. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I am to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews because you are especially familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg of you to listen to me patiently. All of the Jews know my way of life from my youth, a life spent from the beginning among my own people and in Jerusalem. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify that I have been that I have belonged to the strictest sect of our religion and lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial on account of my hope in the promise God made to our ancestors, a promise that our twelve tribes hope to attain, as they earnestly worship day and night. It is for this hope, Your Excellency, that I am accused by the Jews. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things against the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and that is what I did in Jerusalem. With authority received from the chief priests, I not only locked up many of the saints in prison, but I also cast my vote against them when they were being condemned to death. By punishing them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme, and since I was so furiously enraged at them, I pursued them even to the foreign cities. 
With this in mind, I was traveling to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests, when at midday along the road, Your Excellency, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and my companions. When we had fallen all to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It hurts you to kick against the goads. I asked, Who are you, Lord? The Lord answered, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared before I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you to serve and testify to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. I will rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you to open their eyes, so that they may turn from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So this morning, the bulk of the reading is from Acts 26. It's toward the end of the book of Acts. There's just 28 chapters. And Acts 26, Paul is before um, the Jewish king Agrippa, kind of like the local ruler. Um, Not necessarily a religious figure, um, but, you know, he would have been speaking to fellow Jews in Jerusalem. um, And he's telling of his conversion. And so up through, I don't know, Acts 9, I think, um, the uh, we we see Paul kind of intermittently. He's, uh, I'm not sure if it's in the text or if it's oral tradition, but he's supposedly present for the stoning of Stephen, um, the first martyr. He says here about how he signed off on a number of other death sentences for Christian martyrs. Um, and one of the things that, that I find interesting in his conversion story is as mentioned, uh, you know, as if, if he's going around doing this with the authority of the chief priests, he has, um, he also, part of that authority um, includes a contingent of Roman soldiers from the temple guard. Um, and the temple guard is this um, group of Roman soldiers that stayed at Fort Antonia. Fort Antonia was a, uh, a small kind of section of the temple. It was separate, but it was built onto like the wall. It has like a corner of the temple. And Fort Antonia, it was basically the barracks for this unit. Um, and uh, we call it a temple guard. Um, and the temple guard is has these kind of like dual obligations. On the one hand, they're Roman citizens, Roman soldiers, you know, Roman loyalty. Um, but they share an obligation to the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, being as powerful as it was, often found itself in bed with Rome. So the Sanhedrin benefited from this relationship of being somewhat loyal to Rome. Um, and that came with this, um, this promise of protection and you know, display of Roman force in the form of the Temple Guard. I don't know how many it was. It may have been a century, uh, you know, a hundred men. Um, Fort Antony is not that large, so I, I don't know if it's a full century, but very likely when you hear the centurion, uh, you know, in Matthew 7 and Luke 8, or vice versa, I always get those confused, it's very likely that the centurion is, is kind of out of this temple guard, or they've kind of settled into 
civilian life and just happened to be in Judea. Anyway, um, so Paul and these, these temple guardsmen appear kind of randomly, sporadically throughout the text. Um, the, uh, it was a temple guard that was accompanying the tax collector when uh, John was baptizing Jesus in the River Jordan. And that's where we get the story in John, uh, no, I, th- I think Luke chapter 3, where, you know, John or these soldiers asked, well, what should, should we do? And John is like, well, don't extort people for money, be satisfied with your pay, etc. So that would have been a temple guard. Um, and the tax collectors were a, a Roman agent um, picked from within the local society. So it, was, it would have been a Jewish, per, Jewish man who was kind of on assignment or contractor for Rome. Not very well liked, by the way. Um, and so they needed protection, a Roman temple guard. Um, and the temple guard in, in today's modern parlance, the temple guard is the group um, that uh, guards the tomb of the unknown soldier in Arlington, Virginia. But anyway, so Paul is telling his story um, back in Acts can't remember not I want to say nine but I think that's Peter's vision it is Peter's vision um but he's kind of reflecting on it later um and many of the elements remain the same and one of the elements that I think is interesting is this these companions that Paul talks about um if Paul is telling the truth um they all fell to the ground uh by the light this light that was brighter than the sun that surrounded them all we don't know if they heard a voice though we don't know if um if they were converted, uh, I think that would be an interesting little element to the story. Um, but Paul hears in his own Hebrew language Jesus saying, "Why are you persecuting me?" And he's you know kind of flipped, um, you know, pretty quickly, converted. Um, and um, it's just interesting to see, I don't know, to read this through the lens of being a soldier, having been a soldier. Um, and wondering, like, these little elements, like, I wonder if those companions were converted. Some some of these elements, oral tradition fills in, um, but these are usually legendary, you know, just kind of preserved as, like, talk around the water cooler. For example, um, the oral tradition maintains that the centurion who um, pierced Jesus' side, that water and blood gushed from... Uh, Jesus aside, hits his eyes, and he had been blind, and he was miraculously cured. And then that same person um, goes off and lives as a hermit, and then is made bishop of Caesarea, you know, several years later or something. Uh, but the text itself doesn't, you know, include any mention of any of that. And, um, you know, if this person, you know, goes off and becomes a hermit, like, Clearly, they left the military. Um, and it, it, characters like these bear these questions of, like, what should Christian soldiers be? What should Christian soldiers do in the face of their political or social location? Many of them leave, but many of them don't. You know, maybe these companions of Paul don't. Maybe they are knocked to the ground, like, what the heck was that? And then this guy is like, oh, I don't need you anymore. They're like, okay, cool. We're going to go back to Antonia because we're hungry. Um, I think it's it's fun to think about what happens, um, to think about, you know, where do these other stories lead? You know, these spinoffs. I'd love to see, 
you know, like fan fiction, biblical spinoffs. I, I could write plenty of that stuff. Um, but we just can't. We can't assume um, some of these things that happen behind the text or behind the scenes. We only have what, what we're given, um, given by the church with all its biases and, and concerns and hang-ups. Um, I, I do find, though, what we do have satisfactory. I think that it, it does answer some of the most important questions and some of the other questions that we prefer, some of the questions that we like that are more blunt, um, sometimes aren't there. And I think that's actually uh, the point, that, um, that we, we have what we need in Scripture, and then some, quite frankly. Um, and that conversation that goes on around Scripture um, I think is just as important. And uh, I don't think that we need to find the right answer, but identify ourselves in the story and think through, like, what would I do and why? Um, what do we know about their motivations and how might that inform how I should see um, my own kind of situatedness and um, what would my place in this story look like? Because it's there. Um, whether you're a Christian soldier or a beggar or a rich person, uh, you have a part in this story. And I think that's um, good news for for all of us. Prayer for the third week of Easter from the Book of Common Prayer. O God, whose blessed Son made himself known to his disciples in the breaking of bread, open the eyes of our faith that we may behold him and all his redeeming work who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for falling into Pew Pew HQ's First Formation, where we share morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support this podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host yourself by recording a lectionary reading and sending it to me to be included in a weekday episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts can be found in earlier episodes, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in First Formation in this or any way. Finally, and maybe most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a voice message feature on Anchor's iOS or Android apps. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it. Three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you will continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been and always will be Logan Isaac. Always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.